This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist John J.P. Parker are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with BJ and JP. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And I'm BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. Today, we are talking about relationships. Part two, Christian dating relationships. Part two, Christians who like to date, but need to date better or date well or trying to figure this thing out. Part two. How about that? Part two. Yeah, we we talked about last time. We called it the sign from God. Mm -hmm. And it's just this idea that in these Christian relating circles, relationship situationship circles, Oftentimes, people are waiting for the sign from God. They they close their eyes and they pray and they say, God, give me a sign. And they look on a bumper sticker and they see Cheryl's name, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? So right. we want to help the people move forward in some very tangible ways. Talk to us about what we want to talk about today, JP, in terms of Christian dating. What are some things we want to talk about in terms of Christian dating part two in 2018? Well, I am going to be objective as possible because that's my goal in leading through this podcast. But we're going to be talking about just people feeling as if men, Christian men specifically, like to play games. Um, mm, they're, do they? Really? Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I, you know, I, I'd have to figure out why. <laughs> um, and then we're kind of talking about um, just being healthy in dating. Um, I think this security is the word that people like to throw around. Christian people like to throw around when they talk about dating. I think those are the two main things. Is there something else that I'm missing? Something else I know that you uh, were excited to talk about too? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Praying gains, purity, overthinking the process, and just the lack yep. of skills is what essentially what we need to talk about. Yeah, when, when I think about this, when I think about this idea of Christian dating, I, I oftentimes think about the idea of a Rubik's Cube, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you grew up in the 80s, but in the 80s, there was a thing called a Rubik's Cube. And, you know, it looked real simple. It's just a bunch of colors on a cube and they all match. Well, when you begin to turn and twist those colors, right, it becomes a, an array of colors. And though it looks good, the goal is to then align all of the colors onto the side that match each color. Right. Now, here's what you realize when you do it, right? If you take a Rubik's Cube and you twist the colors and the orange and the green and the yellow and the red and whatever colors it begin to touch, you realize that though they look simple and they're all in proximity, they're much more complex to sort out, to create a homogeny in order to yeah. resolve the issue, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is true of faith, community, dating. It looks really simple, right? 
Yeah. Just add a little God to your relationship. You know, be around people who believe in certain things and it'll just work itself out. But the deeper you get into it, the more you get into it and you go, wait, this is really complex. You just can't solve no Rubik's Cube, right? It takes skill and practice and timing. And so what I see in our culture today, specifically in the Christian 2018 dating, is that many people lack the skills that it would take in order to resolve some of the, the very basic conflicts of being able to create a meaningful relationship. What do you think, JP? What are some things you've seen in your life in creating complexity where you assume there would be ease in this kind of dating thing? Go ahead, brother. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I feel that I have either witnessed or even myself participated in, I guess, is just the transition from going to being in a friendship with this person that you're now dating So, you know, Christian people, in my experience, have had this thing where, oh, you're my sister. Oh, you're my brother. And now all of a sudden, is it incestual? Like now all of a sudden, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, like, if maybe you can. I like you. I love you, my sister. I think you're cute. You're beautiful. Right. right, right. What do you mean? I want to kiss you. Like, no, no, no. Go ahead. (laughs) I'm saying so you can sense my shade in that. Right. So it's just, I don't know. It's just, I think churches do a bad job sometimes of helping people be honest with their feelings and their emotions. And so there becomes that awkwardness of the transition or even like having to hide or deny feelings or or having to sneak and be under the cover with things and therefore leading to shenanigans to where you had to repent some point in time later on because you couldn't just be upfront about how you feel or things had to be initially addressed as, oh, this is your sister, you uphold her, you you know put her on this pedestal, you esteem her, you make sure that you you know guard her heart and all these different things when it's just like, bro, when people like each other, they like each other. And if they're going to like each other, they're going to like each other. You know what I mean? And so we'd have to do a better job of making that transition uh, less awkward and or make sure that people can be you know young and have emotions and have feelings while being coached or discipled or whatever well. Um, so that they don't have to, you know, just be awkward, you know what I mean? And and therefore sometimes leading into situations where they can't be in a successful relationship. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. Absolutely. My own personal experiences. So I met Vanja um, at the age of 19 at the University of North Texas. And um, it was infatuation at the first sight. And then it mm-hmm. was love over time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've heard me in any previous podcast talk about my dating experience it was just very savage, right? Like yeah. see someone like it, you know, have whatever contact I want to have, move on. And coming to the faith, coming to have a meaningful experience with Jesus Christ as a person mm-hmm. in my life and in my relationship mm-hmm. dramatically impacted the way I saw relationships. Mm-hmm. And I knew, okay, I can't be a savage out here in the streets. I need to create some continuity between my faith mm-hmm. and my desires, right? And so I got involved in a small community, right? And it's similar to what you're saying about being involved and not knowing when to cues. You know, we're, we're cool, we're hanging out, we're trying to have good times, but mm-hmm. I slick kind of like you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I want to be with you. And I don't know the the things. And so I would say early on, what I sensed was there's almost a lack of communication about that process. Like no one kind of talks about it. 
Yeah. They just assume you know mm-hmm. and you make tons of mistake because there isn't a set way to do things, though there's set ways to, way to do everything. And so what I found very quickly was I was doing it wrong because I wasn't giving our Christian side hugs. That's the first thing. Second thing was I didn't know anything about kissing, dating goodbye. If you are part of a certain culture mm-hmm. of faith followers, there is a book written by an individual named Josh McDowell. Where yeah. he denounced this private school kid, wrote a book about relationships where he said he's kissing, dating goodbye, meaning this, that yep. you have to determine the relationship. And if you're not determining it to be serious, then you need to live it alone. And so no one told me about these books. No one told me about this culture. And here I am stumbling along in this journey almost with the belief that I'm somehow supposed to magically figure it out, right? And so my personal experiences in a Judeo-Christian community, small group community people, was that there's so much uncertainty and ambiguity, and yet the big no-nos, that one doesn't know how to properly transition in relationship. Anything else, just personal experience that you've seen, you go, man, ah, if I can put my finger on it, this is what I've seen in terms of this whole faith community thing. What do you see? Man, uh, you got me with my PC hat on, man. You got my PC yeah. hat on. Go, go, go. Uh, I think it's just the way we manage relationships as far as the church is concerned and the way we deal with like premarital um, conversations or counseling or whatever the case may be. Uh, mm. I think that when you have faith communities who have certain models of dating or certain ways in which they engage that don't necessarily match the culture or match the environment, um, things can kind of go haywire. And again, it kind of just leads to people doing things in a way that doesn't help them be healthy and maintain their faith at the same time. Um, yeah. And so what I mean by this, if you come from, we, I think we talked about it last time. Um, I didn't come from this culture coming from the West Coast, but we're like people like, what did you call it when you expect to be married by the time you graduate? What is it? Oh, it's, uh, it's uh, what is it called? Ring before spring? Ring before spring. Ring before spring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real so, thing. I never knew that existed until I got in this small, like kids dating goodbye culture. Go ahead. It's called I'm ring before it. spring. Go ahead. I'm good. I'm good. So what happens is I, I didn't get married until I was 31. Um, one, because I didn't see the value in marriage, um, even after being a believer, I just didn't grow up in a, a household where marriage was something that was, um, what's the word, esteemed? Value, uh, in a sense. Yeah, valued, esteemed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, it's just it's a thing you do, you know what I mean? Because that's part of the culture. You get married, you have kids, you know, you live your life, whatever. And I just didn't see value in it. So I was like, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to buy my motorcycles. I'm going to kick it. I'm Were you living travel. your best life or were you living your you worst life? I was living a life that I thought was worth living. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm supposed to say now that I have a wife and kids, I live my best life now. So I don't know. There were certain freedoms that came along with uh, no wife and no kids, but you know, I wasn't able to per- perfect my faith via the, the, the marriage bed. Or not I'm sorry, yeah. not the marriage bed, but the marriage life. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think uh for me. Coming in the culture where you're having these DTR, determinant relationships, where you got to do all these things up front just because you think you have feelings, it just makes things awkward, right? You can't just fully develop a friendship with somebody and fully develop a, I don't know, what's the proper word without insulting friendship. people? 
yeah, just a good friendship. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have to upfront as soon as you have feelings, you need to talk to the person and, and tell you, tell them how you feel. Um, you need to make, you know, I, you know, this thing could be fleeting. I could like feel like I have some kind of infatuation. Then I kick it with you twice in a group setting and I realize, oh no, you're not it. Right. Hold on. Back up again. Say this again for the audience because you, you're making a great point. Go ahead. Yeah. Like you feel like you like someone or have some kind of feelings for them. You get pushed into these determining the relationship conversations. And then next thing you know, you're in a full fair relationship when you didn't even realize you didn't really like them for real. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, yo, if I kicked it with you a few more times, whether it was group or one-on-one or whatever, I would have realized like, yo, like I'm not really feeling you like that. But mm-hmm. because I'm in this culture where I kind of just jump in, now I'm in some old shenanigans and it's going to be hard to get out of this. So I think that you have to, you have to adjust things based on not saying that, you know, it's anything wrong with determining relationships or whatever, but I think it's not a one size fit all. When you have a ministry where you are like dealing with teenagers or you're dealing with college students or you're dealing with whatever, they're in a different stage of life than a 31 year old man, you know, 31 year old woman, 32, 33, 35, you know what I'm saying? So the cookie cut idea of what it means to date and what it looks like to be in a relationship needs to be adjusted. Um, so so can we say this though? So this is this is what I would say. Oftentimes there is a cookie cutter. There's a cookie cutter to this thing. There's a cookie cutter of oversight yeah, that yeah. assumes that you fit into a certain mode of background experience in your I, I would call it existential reality, but let's just call it your how you operate, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what you find is we haven't done enough research on people to know where they're from. Who Mm -hmm. are these people that are among us? Just because they dress like us and they use a certain terminology, that means that they're fitting in. It doesn't mean that they're places of origin, right? So I think one of the greatest challenges is that we cheapen the experiences of people and their backgrounds. Yeah. We just assume that because you're here, you're just like us. And that's not true, right? I want to switch something about assumptions. So so I realized very quickly, you know, I moved from the savagery, right? Because, you know, people who know me in Dallas, they know I'm telling the truth about this. I was a savage and lived my life like a savage because didn't have any particular faith redirection in my life. Though I had a reverence for God, I was a savage. And I remember thinking, you know, I would go out and I would meet, you know, women all the time. But I would always see like, man, there's way more guys than ladies, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's guys posted up on the wall at the club. It's guys posted up on the wall at the skating rink. It's guys posted up all around the movie theaters. And I just remember yeah. thinking, man, there's so many guys out here waiting for ladies. So much so that the clubs in Dallas that I was frequenting would allow the ladies to come in free just to ensure that that there would be a balanced amount of ladies in the building to match the amount of men there, right? Well, things all changed when I got into the faith communities, right? Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, 
or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. One of my earliest observations was this. When you transition into a faith community, there are an outnumbering amount of ladies as opposed to men. Mm -hmm. And so all of these stats and all of these ways of viewing things, there's a probably a five to one, a 20 to one ratio yeah, yeah. of ladies to men in these faith communities, right? So where I was just another guy involved with a small, you know, group of ladies who were valuable. Yeah. One of the realities that happens in these communities is that now all of a sudden as a man, you go in and you just rare jewel. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because there's not a lot of men that stay in these relationships. And so I think one thing that we need to talk about is that the ratio between men and women in faith communities is completely off balance, right? It's very challenging. And one of the things that comes along with it, and I'm sure this will be a hot topic, is that men, once they get into the faith community and they begin to think about relationships and consider relationships, can oftentimes struggle with what we call commitment phobia. JP, have you seen any commitment phobia in your life or in the lives of your clients? And yeah, how have you seen this play out specifically in a faith setting where men, because of this, find themselves in a commitment phobia? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, it happens often. I mean, even with the ratio that you spoke on um, and guys feeling the pressure to settle down quickly, especially in a church environment, if they're one of few and maybe they're attractive and maybe a few of the ladies like them or whatever. And so a now- few of them like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cute. Go ahead. Ryan's cute. Yeah, he's cute. <laughs> um, by the way, um, if I was single uh, for the holidays, I would put myself out on you know an advertisement and say, hey, ladies, if you need a Christian man to show up to your- to your Thanksgiving dinner, uh, to your Christmas event, uh, you can rent me for the weekend. You are so uh, petty, JP. You are so petty. You are so petty. We can uh, create a background story. We can create all kind of things. We can get your parents off your back. I'm just saying, you know, but I'm married. But I definitely thought that service where I would just hire young men to be single and to be in, engaged in relationships, whatever these women need for them to enjoy their holidays. But I digress. So I think that what happens when you have these guys that are um, desirable and they don't want to be seen as the, you know, the the, the the church bachelor or want to be seen as this heartbreaker or want to be seen as this Ooh, guy. A heartbreaker, a heartbreaker man. <laughs> right, right. That's not the, uh, <laughs> they, they called me the blueprint bachelor one time. I was going to a blueprint. They called me the blueprint bachelor. I, I took offense to that. I, like, I, don't, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I don't want to be known as that. You know, whatever. So to, in order to avoid being the blueprint bachelor, um, mm. you, you feel pressure to jump into a relationship or to, 
to to scoop somebody up or you know what I mean just so you're not seen as this guy that's out here but then what happens is that doesn't work out you get burnt and then there's a reluctancy to engage in the other relationships or because you feel the pressure from someone to get into a relationship you're like no I don't want to do that and so it ends up being a situation where it's not I don't necessarily say it's a lack of commitment more so than it's a fear of being in a relationship that you don't want to be in because you're feeling mm. the pressure. To be in the relationship. What about the brothers that are actually co- fearful commitment though? So, you know, you represent a group of people who, who wanted to be in a relationship, but found yourself mm-hmm. very new to the setting and struggle with like, Oh, I, I didn't even know this was like this. Right. But yeah, still yeah. willing to endure the process. I've met, tons of men who realize this relation is 20 to 1 ratio and they don't want to decide. It's it's almost as if they've been given too many options, like a buffet. I see. Yeah, I got yeah. you. That's a di- that perspective is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like okay. they've been given a buffet option and, you know, I don't know if you've been to a buffet, but you throw good food away sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen. Well, so what, what you're saying then essentially... I think is a good point because it becomes problematic where I think it's on that guy, right? It's like, yo, yeah, well, your problem is that you feel like you might get into a relationship and then realize the grass is greener, but the grass only becomes greener when you don't water your own grass. Yeah, right? that's, it. that's it. Go ahead. Go right? ahead. Go ahead. So you have to stick to the commitment that you make. You know what I mean? Unless, again, there's irreconcilable differences or something comes up where you realize you're incompatible. But, bro, like, I don't have any other options. I have my wife or or or, or that's it. You know what I'm saying? But there isn't the no thing, like. No, but, you're, but you're single, though. This is my point. You're single. Yeah. When you are single, you don't have a wife. You only have prospects. And what I'm saying is this ratio, 20 to 1 ratio. I'm just making this up. It's not a true stat. I understand. Listen, I'm just saying. I get it. But I'm saying, it. but but it makes it challenging to decide what's the right move or not. Because here's the thing. There isn't but, a formula. Go ahead. There isn't. But what I'm saying is, is that, and you're probably getting to this, but I'm just like, like, if it's a matter of you not being able to choose because there's too many options and you want them all to stay open to you, that's a lot different than saying, like, there's a bunch of right answers and I want to choose the rightest of the right answers. You know oh, what I'm it. saying? Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. That's okay. where I'm coming from. That's where I was thinking. But go ahead, go ahead. Finish what you were saying. Oh, no, I agree with you. So so one of the things that I think I would say is that it's easy to become a playboy in a faith setting. Yes, 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 yes. Right? I don't dis- I don't it's disagree. It's easy yeah. to become a playboy. You know, I used to, if you see any old pictures of me online, there was a, a moment, a season where I rocked the playboy bunny. And right. that playboy bunny, it wasn't just a, a necklace. It was a symbol of my uncertainty and promiscuity, right? It was like, hey, if you if you mess with me, you just need to know what time it is, right? Yeah. And I'm not here for the commitment. Uh, what it, In the prophet words of urban poet Drake, he says, I'm here for a good time, not for a long time. Right. Right? That's how I, I wanted to, to lead off with that. I wanted to lead off with the truth that, hey, I'm really just here for a good time. I'm not here for a long time. And I think what, you know, kind of, transitioning a little bit, I think that what we don't realize is that the things of our past affect our present. And if you have unhealthy patterns of engaging the opposite sex before your faith conversion or experience, then you'll have it afterwards, right? There's work that has to be done. You are not immune from becoming that, right? And though you're not attempting, I remember a guy um, that I knew told me he had the gift of Paul. 
right? This is kind of a saying. He would walk around saying he had the gift of singleness and he was a single guy, right? Yeah. Well, he found himself always spending time with a bunch of single ladies, okay? This is like his regular thing. And I remember saying to him, hey, man, you so have this gift of Paul, the apostle, but all of these ladies seem to think you like them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Is it possible that you're just being flirtatious under the guise of just being a brother? Oh, no, that's not something I would do, right? And then years later, this same person got married. And I go, that's what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. That there is a form of abuse that's happening in the name of, I'm just getting to know you, sis, right? But those lines are then blurred and crossed. And then the person on the other end is left not really knowing, right? And so what I would say is for those of, especially the men, is the uncertainty that comes from that 20 to 1. It's like a buffet, right? You can be very frivolous and throw away good relationships because you don't really know how it works, right? You have so many options. And now your pickiness is... It's not you want the best for you. You just want to look the best. Yeah. You want almost the worldly equivalency um, or the non-faith informed equivalency of what you would get in the world, right? Only to realize later that the journey of creating meaningful, lasting relationship is just as difficult as it would be in any other setting. What would you say for the ladies? Because I know sometimes we can pick on the men and talk about the men. What would you say for the ladies? What are some challenges you've seen for the ladies in this area of faith dating, Christian dating in 2018? What's some challenges for the ladies? It's hard because it's 2018 and then somebody's (laughs) going to say, oh, there's no woman in the room and you're speaking on behalf of women and you're just a man or whatever. So the only perspective I have, which I hope... a soundbite at some point in time used against me when I run for president or whatever is I think that that being a man and having the perspective I have and that was given to me based on my relationships right so I'm speaking to the relationships that I had as a as a Christian man either trying to be celibate or not there's you know during before marriage there were times where it was like I was on mission and there was times where if she didn't tell I wouldn't tell you know just being honest with the situation right and not wanting to be in those situations like that wasn't my goal like I wasn't like trying to like yo like you know you just wait you just find yourself in a situation like how did I get here you know I've been mm. in situations where I've had girls uh call me at night pretending as if someone broke into their house that I would come to the rescue so that they would feel safe only only to find out it was just a ruse just to get me over their house you know what I'm saying late at night you know what I mean I'm like bro, like I I didn't wake up this morning and think that this was this would be my destination this evening. And I had no idea that this was going to be something that I would have to actively fight out and run out my coat. Like, you know, I'm like Joseph or whatever. And some moments you you, you win and some moments you don't. So what, I, what I'm saying is that, like, there are real times for men or at least for myself where I've gotten this situation where I had no intentions on being in. And it was, you know, moments of weakness where I was like, dang, bro, I'm here now. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that speaking to women for guys that that are that are trying to be pure and trying to be respectful and trying to um do the right thing i think it's just a level of self 
concern that you have to have as a woman mm. to make sure that you don't allow a brother to put himself in a bad situation. What I'm not saying is it's a man, it's a woman's fault for a man taking advantage of her. What I'm not saying is a woman's fault for a man being overly aggressive. What I'm not saying is it's a woman's fault for Make a it man. plain, Doc. Make it plain. Go ahead. I'm not ruining my election, but as far as not election with, you know, your theology, but election when I run for a governor of something one day. But the idea that, hey, it is a personal responsibility for both men and women to not get caught slipping. Mm. And I think that oftentimes there is a victim, a victim in a situation that doesn't necessarily have to be a victim in the situation. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying people play the victim what I'm saying is usually, well, I should say this. I've been in situations where guys have been drugged through the mud. They've been publicly ridiculed via a pulpit. They have been threatened to be beat up and assaulted because a young lady made an accusation about their uh, romantic relationship. Whereas in the guy may felt things were consensual and things were okay. But when the girl found out that they weren't in a relationship and he wasn't choosing her, then all of a sudden he gets slandered. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you don't put yourself in that situation, if the two of you don't commit, if you don't, you know, enter into sexual relationships previous to marriage, like you eliminate those situations. And, and all my advice and encouragement is to just reduce that. And you eliminate that by not getting involved in sexual contact before you get married. Did I dance around that no, enough? you did dance, but it's, it, but it's good though. I think you, you still kind of hit the point. So w- what I would say for the ladies is this, is that there's a 20 to one ratio, right? Let's just be honest about it. But I would say is don't play games um, or don't cut corners cheapen the process and then find yourself in a bad situation, right? So, you know, that's the thing is like sometimes when I get into situations with my car and I want to see it fixed and I try to cut the corners, I find myself connecting with a mechanic that should have never been working on my car. Right, right. right. Because I'm, I'm just trying to get it fixed. And I think sometimes our sisters can be so thirsty for mm-hmm. romantic attention because they have yet to experience meaningful platonic friendships, right? That they'll yes. try to cut corners to be with someone or to try to manipulate their way into a situation or to try to be romantic as a, as a way of creating a relationship with someone they should have never been with it in the first place, right? <laughs> so I think one of the things that I would encourage our sisters and ladies to do is don't be thirsty. Don't rush yeah. it. Yeah. Don't force it. It's not better on the other side. I've been married for almost 17 years this year. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. For the first time in my life, I've seen two realities happen. Single people who want to be married and married people who want to be single. Yeah, yeah. And both have the urgency to do the same. The grass is not greener on the other side, right? And, and so what I would say is having the sober assessment to say, is this truly good because it's good and it uplifts me on a physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual level? Or is this good because I don't want to be alone, right? And what I would right. say for that loneliness is that's when it's time to develop friendships, good friendships, Right. Just transition a little bit, and we need to start getting wrapping up a little bit to to get into the practicals. But one of the things that came up is that sometimes these relationships can be 
super deep and yet still shallow, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're real deep and they're talking about all these these things that transcend human experience through reality or through physicality, and yet they're still shallow, right? They don't meet the needs. And I think it's because we understand sometimes theological categories, but we don't understand interpersonal relationships. And so one of the things wrapping up, what I would say is we need to do a better job learning what it means to have meaningful interpersonal relationships. An interpersonal relationship is essentially how people relate to people based off of background, experiences, understandings, and personalities, and then how those things merge together, right? The more we begin to practice that, though, the more it allows us to find joy in our platonic or friendship relationships so that when we are going out and if whenever we're desiring to be romantic or whenever we decide, man, this is a time for me to move out, JP, we move out as people who are already complete and not people who are looking to be completed through this endeavor, right? Yeah. What are some practical applications you would say for both men and women as they seek to build that romantic relationship? Or maybe some skills that you would say, man, I, I wish people would know that need to, to begin to build into this. What do you think? Yeah, two things, and then I'm going to, you know, dig myself out of this woman hole again. <laughs> but I think uh, one thing is that as I've said before in previous podcasts, red lights don't turn green. They don't. If he's too touchy-feely, if she's too touchy-feely, if he doesn't respect your boundaries, if she doesn't respect your boundaries, if uh, you see that they don't operate well with the opposite sex, if you see that that he or she is overly flirtatious, if mm. you see that he or she has had multiple relationships over and over again within your church environment mm. uh, or friends group, <laughs> if you see that they... Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a whole nother topic? Right, that day? is a whole nother topic. You rocking with that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, if, if, if you recognize commitment issues, if you if you recognize that he or she has all of these friends and you know that they all of these friends think that they like that person, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if you notice all of these things, those are red flags. Those are signs that this is not a person that's mature enough to in, enter into a dating uh, you know situation. Um, I think the other thing is to have people around you who are going to help you be accountable and responsible um, Good. in your own per- personal growth and development as you seek to date, as well as if you find yourself dating. You know, you need to put your brother, sister aside and say, hey, bro, you ain't ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm watching you. I see what's going on. Hey, girl, like, I think you, you know, you still got some wounds you need to deal with, some hurt, some past, blah, blah, blah. You know, some self-esteem things, you know, whatever's going on. Um, I see these patterns that's happening with you. Um, you need to, you know, chill out, you know, mm. fall back and and, and and be healed in some areas um, so that you can move forward uh, successfully. And I think that the last thing, just in terms of, again, reiterating what I was saying before, what I'm not saying is that anybody that has experienced some kind of trauma or that has been uh, involved in a relationship that was that went away that you didn't want it to, that it was your fault. Um, mm. When I use the like word verbiage before, like a victim and things of that nature. I don't want it to get skewed to become like pop culture's idea of victim shaming. What I was simply trying to articulate before is that, man, we have to take responsibility for the things that happen to us when we can. Tragedies happen. People get aggressive. uh, People become abused. People get raped. Like things happen. 
even amongst Christian communities, unfortunately, by quote unquote Christians. And what I'm not doing is saying that, hey, if something has happened to you in a situation where you felt violated, it was your fault. Uh, what, I, what I'm advocating is that we do a better job of making sure that as much as possible with this, within us, we don't find ourselves in situations where we can become vulnerable. And that right. can include taking a drink from somebody and not knowing what's in the drink. You know, that can include being one-on-one with somebody if you don't need to be. That can include going to somebody's house, you know, too late, too often, uh, or we're not even knowing them in in the manner that you should know them. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't know them well enough. Good. Um, is that, am I, oh, is that no, clear? That, is that that's good. Yeah. The last thing I would say is seek expert advice. Oftentimes we seek novice advice. I don't take financial advice from a poor person. I don't take marriage advice from a person that can't keep a healthy relationship, right? And what I would say is seek out books, educate yourself. Do not assume. It's, it, you know, C.S. Lewis has this quote. He says, Christianity is an education in and of itself. Listen, relationships are an education in and of itself. And unfortunately, Many of us have never intentionally or strategically educated ourselves through literature in order to even know that there's a function and a mode of that. Sometimes we need personal help. Sometimes the books are good and yet they're not enough. JP, what would you recommend for people who need a little bit more than just a new book to give them perspective? What would you recommend? Um, there's a website, buildabetterus.com. And there's a section in there where you can go and find somebody that can help you get your life right. That's not there to be your girlfriend or your boyfriend and to co-sign the decisions or things you want to make, but to help you actually be uh, led in a direction that's going to prove to be mentally, physically, and spiritually healthy for you. Good, good. Yeah, if you visit buildabetterus.com and go to Get Involved and click Life Coach, you can set up a free initial consultation, uh, one of our life coaches, and we'll connect with you. Also, we're so excited about our newest books called a, a Better Her and a Better Him, which is a 31-day walkthrough what it means to grow intentionally in your self-care, faith, and relationships. You can pick those up at, I think it's it's 31daygrowthchallenge.com. And our job is just to help you become a better you. So that we can become a better us. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us, and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast.